Magic Johnson is out. Luke Walton is on his way up north, and the Lakers are again looking for identity and direction in the post-Dr. Bus era. Welcome into episode number 11 of Reteaching the Game, entitled When the Magic Stops. I am your host, as always, Ethan Noroff, and we are here today to talk about, you guessed it, those Los Angeles Lakers, specifically what's next after Magic Johnson's shocking resignation as president of basketball operations. And with Luke Walton headed up north to become the next head coach of the Sacramento Kings, we're going to talk about Luke's tenure in La La Land and where the Lakers might go from here for their next head coach. Now, Magic's resignation was something that absolutely nobody saw coming except for Magic himself. This is a man who promised to restore past glory. This is a man who, when he took the role of president of basketball operations, he called it a dream come true. He called it his dream job to be able to work alongside family. Well, just about two years later, he's ready to abandon everybody in the process. So long as it means that Magic Johnson can be Magic Johnson. And here's what I mean by that. Magic, for the majority of his post-playing career, has built his brand on selling quote-unquote magic. But when tangible results don't align with prior promises, people stop buying into the vision, especially when you are with a franchise that has been unable to deliver tangible results since before Kobe Bryant retired. So Magic, when he came in, sold these grandiose visions of how the Lakers were going to do this and how the Lakers were going to do that. And let's not give him absolutely zero credit. Of course, they were able to sign LeBron James while Magic was running the show. But that is really the only thing that Magic can look back and reflect on from his tenure and said, yes, that went according to plan. My major issue with Magic, Johnson resi- with Magic Johnson's resignation isn't so much the resignation. Oh, no. It was the timing of it before the last game of the season, leaving Luke Walton to answer questions, a coach who everybody knew wouldn't continue on with the franchise, leaving G League players like Alex Caruso, first round picks like Mo Wagner to try to answer the media's questions. This was very much about Magic Johnson. This wasn't about the Lakers. And if Magic Johnson has and continues to be all about the Lakers, when will the Lakers come first? Magic Johnson's choice to do this in the manner in which he did, at the time at which he did, it was selfish. Selfish timing from all perspectives. Magic left the building via a trap door before the reconstruction actually began and after the damage had been done. It wasn't so long ago that Magic Johnson sat perched atop his throne, telling the young Lakers players, this is a business. Stop being babies. Get over it. If your name comes up in the Anthony Davis trade talks, it's because another team wants you. That's how this works. Magic came in and demanded more from everyone. I remember when Julius Randle had to come into camp below 10% body fat because that's what Magic Johnson wanted. Well, Magic Johnson did a good job of demanding more of everybody, but when did he demand more of himself? That's a good question to ask. As you sit there and reflect on how this era transpired, what worked and what didn't, you think about that. If you're a leader and an effective one in that role, how can you demand more of everybody if you yourself are taking the easy way out? It doesn't work. You cannot conduct a full-time job on a part-time basis. Magic has long been a great frontman, but in an ineffective full-time leader. 
ineffective full-time leader in this capacity. Magic cited a passion for the Lakers and a love for Jeannie Buss, continues to call her a sister, a family member. But he quit on the team and on Jeannie to save his what? His image, quote-unquote? And in the process, throwing Rob Palinka under the bus? This is a guy who worked hand-in-hand with Magic Johnson for the better part of two years, and when asked if he was the right GM to continue on with the Lakers, for Magic to sit there and say, well, that's a genie question. That's incredible. How can you have that answer? You're supposed to be a leader of people, someone that people look up to for inspiration, for guidance, and you don't want to give an answer. You're copping out. This is a man who called Jeannie his sister, his family. Jeannie canned her family, her blood for Magic Johnson. He owed her more than the job that he did. Forget about Lakers fans. He owed Jeannie Buss more than what he did. At the time Magic Johnson was hired in 2017, this quote continues to come back and for good reason. Here's what Magic said. Quote, the timing is right. It was time to put aside my businesses and focus on the Lakers business. My question to that quote is, did that ever happen during his tenure? Could Magic Johnson really be Magic Johnson while serving as president of the basketball operation, president of basketball operations for the Lakers? Well, Magic answered that question in his resignation. He said he wasn't happy. He said he couldn't be himself in this role. He couldn't congratulate his friends. He couldn't be a mentor for others. He was so worried about what he couldn't do for others that he forgot what he didn't do for the team that took a chance on him. And I'm not even talking about as president of basketball operations. This goes back over 25 years. This is a team that has invested in Irvin Magic Johnson since before he was Irvin Magic Johnson. This is a, an ownership group, and specifically the Bus family, that has given him carte blanche time and time again. And what did Magic Johnson do to repay that debt? Besides look out for what's best for Magic Johnson. Now you leave Jeannie Buss searching for familiarity. Since her father, Dr. Buss, died, Jeannie has been searching for a vision, for a direction, how to move the Lakers forward. And through that process, she and others involved have relied on past history to build the future. Dipping back into the talent pool, dipping back into the Lakers family. You hire Magic Johnson as president of basketball operations. You hire Kobe's former agent, Rob Palenka, as general manager. But the problem with that is that you cannot rely on history alone to construct the future. And Magic Johnson, see, he wanted all the glory. He wanted the role of restoring the Lakers, but he did not want the responsibility for it. He wanted the success and he wanted to emulate the success that other people had had in that role when the Lakers were successful. Imagine Magic Johnson sitting on top of that throne. The Lakers, a successful playoff team, a championship contender. That's the last piece that Magic's missing to his puzzle. He wanted to sit on top of that throne, but he didn't want to climb the mountain. He didn't want the responsibility of restoring the glory. That's a much harder thing than just simply taking credit for it. 
And I think what happened with Magic Johnson's tenure is people saw through his words. Magic, as I said, has been a great salesman for a long time. But this particular role, this particular job, this is about far more than sales alone. You have to follow through. There's a difference between selling and closing. Magic Johnson didn't close this deal. He didn't. And not all of what happened during his tenure is directly his fault. But the fact that he tried to pull this full-time job in a part-time basis, it doesn't work. And that's why it didn't work. That's why the Lakers are in the position that they're in currently. There is so much that happened this year that was outside of anyone's control. The injuries. Some of the narratives created by the media. And the list goes on longer than that. But there was so much within direct control that was not done. We heard about Magic talking about other players more this past season than he talked about his own guys. You have a team of mostly young players who are dying for mentorship, who are seeking validation. And you, Magic Johnson, failed to provide that to them. Now, I'm not knocking Magic's approach in that specific capacity. Not everybody is going to be drawn to your leadership style. No one is asking Magic or anyone else to coddle the young guys. But I think what everyone was asking of Magic, whether it was Genie Bus all the way down to the fans, was to stand strong and accept responsibility for the product. We heard a lot last summer after LeBron gave his commitment to the Lakers about why the roster was being built with seemingly a bunch of misfit pieces. The Lance Stevenson signing, the JaVale McGee signing, even the Rajon Rondo signing. Now, I'm a fan of Rondo, and I always have been, and I think he actually has a place on this team beyond this year. But to sit here and say, here's why we sign these guys, let me sort of toot my own horn a little bit and say why this is going to work, and then the failure to accept responsibility when it did not. Well, that's an issue. That's how your leadership becomes compromised. And I think Magic Johnson saw the summer in front of him and said, okay, macro view, we're moving into this summer with a lot of uncertainty, a lot of pressure. And if we don't get someone to come play with LeBron, where does that leave me? Not where does that leave us? Where does that leave me? That approach... It makes it very difficult to find communal success. When you're out for the individual and not for the community in this specific role, it's very hard to make it work. And ultimately it didn't. And now the Lakers, just like years past, are left searching. And Jeannie Buss abandoned once again. So LeBron James, Rob Palenka, and Jeannie Buss now have the task of not only finding who's going to run the franchise, but who's going to coach the team. Because Magic's out. 
but now Luke Walton is out, and now he's going to become the next head coach of the Sacramento Kings. And it's funny. I think that the Kings roster is sort of a good uh, comparison, shall we say, or a good example of the roster that Luke Walton thought he might have with the Lakers. Before LeBron signed, there was a lot of momentum last season with the young guys and what could be built. When LeBron signed, it changed everything for everybody, and that's obvious. But perhaps Luke will be better fit in this role with the Kings. And Luke's hire was another good example of going back to the past. Now, granted, he was a desirable candidate at the time that the Lakers hired him without question. But was he the perfect candidate? Maybe. At the time he was hired, I remember saying that, hey, this is a young coach who can grow with a young team. So for that specific construct, it felt like a good fit. But for this specific construct with LeBron James on the roster and a defined period in which to win, maybe he's no longer the best fit. That's not his fault. Right? In his Lakers tenure, Luke Walton was 50 games under 500. 98 and 148. But he took over a team that won 17 games before he got there. And their win total improved every year. So he's going to be a good fit for that Kings team as their next head coach. And I think his approach with those young guys will be better than it was with some of the veterans in the mix with the Lakers. You know, Luke Walton embodies a lot of the Phil Jackson tactics, but he doesn't have the success or the resume to back it up. And I think that's where the disconnect came with the Lakers. He let guys do their thing to a fault. Now, if you want to critique Luke Walton's coaching style, that's fine and that's fair. Whether it was rotations, whether it was his ability to uh, influence effort or something similar. Those are definitely things that can be critiqued. He was not an outwardly vocal coach in the media. He was not that guy who was going to call out LeBron James or any other player for the way that they played any specific night. He offered praise. He always found silver linings and always found a way to spin it positively. For a young team, that works well. But for an older team with definite demands on them, that approach isn't always best. Now, Luke was dealt a bad hand. Okay, there's no question about that. From a mixed deck, might I add. So it wasn't like he just got a 2-7 if he was playing five-card poker. It wasn't like he got a 2-7 off suit and then could just flush it out and say, well, at least those cards are gone. No, this was a mixed deck. So you're talking about multiple decks when I say that. Okay, just a quick casino reference there. But he was dealt a bad hand from a mixed deck. He had different rosters with different expectations in all three years that he was there. And he still was able to make progress despite that. Right? So there's something to be said for that. The uncontrolled variables, the uncontrollables, we'll call them, right? Whether it was the injuries, whether it was LeBron signing, whether it was the vision of the front office, a front office that, by the way, never really came out and endorsed Luke Walton. This wasn't a guy that they hired. And sure, there were some complimentary phrases thrown in his direction along the way. Oh, we think Luke's doing a terrific job. We anticipate him being a coach the rest of the year, right? Nothing nothing to seriously suggest, hey, we are endorsing this guy as our future. 
no actions to back up any comment like that either. And so I think that definitely has to be part of this conversation. And now that the Lakers and Luke Walton have quote unquote mutually agreed to part ways, and now that he's on his way to becoming the next head coach of the Sacramento Kings, the natural question for the Lakers is, well, who now? And with LeBron leading this roster and a lot of uncertainty surrounding him, that's a bigger question than some might really think about. Of course, Teron Lue's name is going to be at the front of that list, right? Teron Lue and his success with LeBron James is going to make him a natural candidate. But I think the other name that's been primarily thrown about so far, Monty Williams, is a far more interesting option. Monty Williams is one of those guys who can relate with veterans and with young players, who can seemingly speak to both sides of the table at the same time with the same message. I don't know that Ty Lue proved capable of that. Okay? But Monty Williams, he has shown that time and time again. And what Monty Williams could do for this team. Now, we go back several months when Luke's name was first brought up as, hey, maybe this guy might not last much longer in this role and definitely not be on the season. I kind of threw out Monty Williams as a potential name to watch. And I think it makes a lot of sense. But the Lakers shouldn't be rushing this decision. They shouldn't be looking to fill their next head coach just for the sake of filling it. If they truly feel Teron Lue, Monty Williams, or any other candidate is the right person, then pursue that person. But don't just fill a hole to fill it. And zooming out on the Lakers as a whole, this has been a major criticism for me along the way. Have a plan, have a direction, have a purpose. Don't just try to fill gaps along the way. This is what I tell my students the same thing. Even if something doesn't work out, have a plan and a vision behind it. Understand the why. Why are you doing what you're doing? Not just what you're doing. Okay, when we review math concepts, this is a big conversation. Is I've had several students ask me, well, can I use a calculator? And my answer is always the same. If you know why you're using it. I am far more interested in the conceptual understanding than, than the execution of pushing 9 times 6 in a calculator. I am multiplying nine times six because I have nine groups of six dimes and I want to figure out how much total sense I have. I'd rather see that answer written out than have any sort of designated money value on an assessment. And hopefully that makes sense. The Lakers haven't been able to articulate their why in some period of time. And I think in a, in a world where transparency is becoming increasingly valuable, whether you're a Fortune 500 company, MBA team, educator, or in any other line of work, the Lakers have failed to be transparent in a number of ways. There are no more secrets to be held. We know the Lakers have been successful in the past, but that in and of itself does not mean the future will mirror what's already been achieved. And so this lack of transparency needs to change. The Lakers need to tell everybody, whether it's employees in the buildings, players on the team, or fans watching from home, why they're doing what they're doing. The fact that Magic Johnson has stepped down, Luke Walton has moved on, and Jeannie Buss has remained basically silent and invisible is unacceptable. And I understand why Jeannie's doing what she's doing. She probably doesn't know what to say. There may be some elements of fear, Right? There may be some elements of, have I made the right decisions with some self-reflection? 
But to avoid is never going to result in solutions. Avoidance only increases the frustration for all people involved. I can't say that loudly enough. Avoidance only increases frustration. So when you look at this Lakers team now, there are certain certainties that we can take home. We know that Jeannie Buss is not going anywhere. We know that Rob Palinka, as of this moment in time, is not going anywhere. And the fact that he's overseeing the hiring of the next coach tells me and anyone else paying attention that he's going to be there. We know LeBron James is going to be on this roster. Beyond that, we don't know a damn thing. And the Lakers themselves may not know a damn thing. And that's okay. But if you truly have a vision, if you truly have a plan, whether that's pursuing Anthony Davis via trade or any other route, stick to that plan. See it through. Do not just jump from A to B to C because it feels like it should be the next best option. That's the major knock on the Lakers right now. There doesn't seem to be a plan. There doesn't seem to be a vision. And that's very difficult to stand behind at any level. The most shocking part of Magic Johnson's resignation wasn't that he resigned. It's that he quit on a team that he continues to say he's loyal to. It's that he quit on a person he considers family. And it's that he quit on a project that he told everybody he was proud to work on. That's the part that's going to stick with the Lakers and their fans for a long time. And he can want to be the best Lakers brand ambassador in the world. But when you have shown that you can't do the job or you are unwilling to do the job, then your endorsement, it rings hollow. And I don't care what else you've achieved in this life. And Magic has achieved more than anyone could have, could have possibly imagined. When you fire a coach, this mutually agreed apart ways, come on. Okay, when you fire a coach who becomes a head coach again in less than 48 hours, that's a telling statement. That's a wanted candidate. So you better be moving on with the intention of clear improvement, of somebody who's a better fit. And right now, in the in, in the coming season, in the 2019-20 season, What the Lakers need to show is sustained dedication to a plan. Stop relying on history to build the future. Stop relying on past glory to bring current celebration. Move forward with a plan and with a vision. And if it takes time to build something worth building, fans are going to be okay with that. Lakers fans are frustrated that they have to watch Julius Randle tear it up in New Orleans for $9 million. Lakers fans are frustrated that they have to watch D'Angelo Russell become a first-time All-Star in Brooklyn and then watch him in the playoffs while the Lakers are still sitting at home. And I'm not saying it was the right or wrong decision to move on from D'Angelo Russell, to move on from Julius Randle. Context is key in understanding that. You can't just judge those moves in a vacuum. But this game of remaining in limbo, of the wait and see, what stars are going to be available, we'll just get one, we'll figure out how to do it, that's not a plan. That's not a vision. That's treating the Lakers' future like a game. 
And that can't continue. If this franchise is going to be modeling any level of success that they've enjoyed in the past, there has to be greater accountability at all levels. I don't know how that's going to be achieved. It's going to be a process, but that's the key thing that they need. They need accountability. They need consistency. They need dedication and they need a plan. And as an individual, if you have those four things, your life is going to be all right. Accountability, consistency, dedication, and a plan. You're going to figure it out. There are going to be bumps in the road, but it makes it easier to adjust those bumps when those four things are in place. Whether you're an individual or whether you're a big corporation. Stepping down off my soapbox so we can get you guys out of here in under half an hour as always. It's going to be our TED Talk of the Week. Again, another from EA Prince, my guy, who's always on the educational tip. This time it's about student versus teacher. And his message is, you shouldn't be teaching us what to think, but how to think. It's called student versus teacher. And this is what I talk to my kids about all the time, is I don't want to teach you what to think. I want to teach you how to think. The worst answer a kid can give me is, I don't know. Not because they don't have an opinion, but tell me why you don't know. I don't know because I don't have enough information. I don't know because this person is saying one thing and this person is saying something else and I'm not sure who to believe. Back up what you believe, even if you're not sure what that is yet. Defend your work. So when he talks about the future and skills like innovation and creativity and collaboration being valued... It's the truth. People will hire you not because of what you know, but because of what you can do with that knowledge, how you can apply it. Can you manage systems, but also manage people? And this has a direct relationship to basketball and really pro sports as a whole, because with this whole analytics movement and valuing numbers over people, right, there has to be a marriage of both. This debate about, well, it's numbers versus scouts. It's the eye test versus the numbers test. They have to be complementary, not mutually independent. And I think that's the key for me in teaching. Is right now we're in an era where we're kind of caught up between, well, this person's not doing the work. But there's also this, this, and this happening in their personal life. And that makes it a a challenging road to navigate. When you have a student who's going through X or Y and is unable to fulfill their responsibilities as a result. We ask students to know every single subject. We ask them to know everything about everything. And you'll have to excuse me as we conclude this podcast because my dog is going absolutely crazy. It's only when he's agitated and he probably hears me getting a little fired up. What can I say? I'm passionate about what I do. We have to ask our students and our future to consume information in a way that makes sense to them. We have to ask ourselves, what is the true value of this lesson that I'm teaching as educators? And some days it's not going to be about math or science. It might be about life. And that's okay. Because if we're teaching our kids not what to think, but how to think, that's how they're going to move this world forward. Nobody has all the answers. I don't care if you're a master of your content area. But we can all learn from each other, whether we're 14, 44, or 68. It doesn't matter. And in my case, with my experience as a teacher and my experience with my students, here's what I can tell you. 
when you are real with them, when you are honest with them, and when you can explain your why and why things are important and why things are important to discuss, they buy in a whole lot more. And once you start creating that buy-in and you form that relationship, that's how change happens. Whether it's in a classroom, whether it's in an office, whether it's in an NBA facility or anywhere else in the world. When people buy into each other, they buy into the vision. They buy into the whole. The sum becomes more than just the parts. And that's the direction we got to move. Too much of this world mirrors Magic Johnson's approach. They're out for the individual. How do I benefit from this? Instead, we need to ask ourselves how we benefit from it and what changes we might need to make as an individual so we as a community, as a society, as a whole can move forward. 29 minutes, Magic Johnson's out, Luke Walton's on his way to the Kings, and we teach you a little something-something about how I teach my kids. Thanks for joining. We out.